19 months ago, Vicki and I, 20 months ago, Vicki and I came first time to Hamlin and we toured the facility at that time, not this one, but the old building and went into those large rooms for children, uh, workers everywhere. And I think on that first Sunday, we only had four kids in that room. Kind of sent a shockwave through me as to where are we and what are we doing. And so running four to eight at that time, 19 months, if you'll jump ahead, 19 months later, Ann took me back before church, Rise Church was started. She says, I just need you to see it. I walked back and, you know, the student wing right in here, half of it, we've had to give up, the students have had to give up half of that wing in order to have room for children's worship, which began a few months ago. And when I walked into that room, the floor was literally filled with children. And I know we don't see them out here, but I'm telling you, you have, I don't know, 20, 30, 35 kids. You add on top of that 15 workers. And we were building for, uh, when we first came, it was adequate for where we were. But what the Lord has done in 19 months is a bit staggering. To go from 140 on that first Sunday total attendance when Vicky and I came to where we are now running about you know about 250 ish in that 19 months I got to thinking what if the Lord chose to do that again in 2019 we would be at 360 people in just that same length of time if the Lord would choose to bless us and if we were uh, we made preparation for that kind of growth So it's an exciting time, it's a challenging time, and I'm so thankful that prayer is the thing that's going to lead the way. I challenge you, go to one or all the prayer meetings. If you can't, be a part by doing everyday prayer and join us. I think the key to what we will be doing, because if you'll remember about four months ago, I put posters on the wall and we began to have some time where we'd pray over those posters. One of them was back on that sound booth wall. And we said, Lord, we're, we're going to need a children's wing. And we're going to ask you, please, to make your provision known. That's above and beyond what we feel like we can do. That there would be a provision of the Lord to make that available to us. And so we're, we're stepping right into that today. And two weeks from tonight, we'll be having a banquet We'd love for you all to be a part of, and we're going to share with you that night what has already been challenged or given uh, for that event. To make this short, I want you to go to First Chronicles uh, chapter 29. As we begin to think about this, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what is our pattern? What do you do? What do you want us to do in related to building or expanding facilities to advance your kingdom. What does that look like? Because I don't want us to do something with great human intellect or great abilities. I want to know how you want things done. And so in this passage in First Chronicles chapter 29, I want to just show you two or three things pretty quickly this morning. So it starts like this. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone... God has chosen, he's young, he's inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for those, 
for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. Gold for things that have to be made of gold. Silver for things of silver. Bronze for things of bronze. Iron for things of iron. Wood for things of wood. Onyx stones. Stones to be set. Glistening stones of various colors of all kinds. Of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God... I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Even my own special treasure of gold and silver. 3,000 talents in one one, um, scripture translation of that said about a couple of tons of gold. Can you imagine that? That That was David's personal fund. Two tons of gold he gave to the house of the Lord. 3,000 talents of, uh, excuse me, 7,000 talents of silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for things of gold, silver for silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Then he ends that little statement, and will, who then will be willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Now, this building, we will be building a nice facility. This is, I think, a beautiful facility. I'm so thankful for it. But if we wanted to compare this building to what David was building, it would look pretty shabby. Because I'm talking, did you hear? I mean, tons of gold was hammered out and made thin, and they even layered the walls with gold. The silver, they made uh, the elements of of the sacrifice out of pure silver. They had all of this precious uh gems and stones within this facility it is probably the most beautiful building maybe that has ever been built on planet earth and David said this is for God so therefore we can spare nothing and so that's what David's motive was I'm going to build and we need to build the temple for the presence of God now I'm thankful that in the New Testament we found out that The Lord God made us the temple. That we are now the possessor of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be building a facility, but it it doesn't have to be elaborate like that because God is within us. What we do have to do is make it practical to meet the needs of young families because the church in its growth has reached many young families. And if you remember when we were talking at the very beginning, what were we saying? We need to find a way to reach the next generations, the young families. Because if we do not do that as a church, and I was reading some numbers this past week, that 90% of the churches, 80% of the churches in America are a hundred, at a hundred, number at a hundred. And many of those are much less than a hundred. And what we're seeing in the country churches around us, that when we stop reaching the next generation, then our age that attend just keeps going up. And we begin to lose people off as they go on to be with the Lord, as they leave. But the church has never made the transition to reach the next generations. And it's not easy. If you know anything about millennials, we love you millennials, but they're hard to reach. And they're hard to bring into the concept of Christianity. But that is our goal. That is our responsibility, isn't it? For this generation to pass that to the next generation. Isn't that the way it's supposed to go? And so that means us as the older part of the generation 
have to be flexible. We have to be, honestly, willing to sacrifice of ourself in order to make provision to whatever it needs to meet the family, that young family, that new baby, those children. How do we best minister to them? And I'm so grateful Hamlin is full of those kind of folks. We don't fight to have it our way. We say whatever the Lord calls us to do, we'll do in order to try to transition the unchanging message of the gospel to a constantly changing culture. It's been the challenge from the beginning and it's our challenge for the day. But in this particular first thing, I want you to get it down. David, a wealthy king, gave all that he had to see the temple built. Not only did he use the resources of, the, of Israel, he had a personal treasure as a king. He gave everything that he had because he was at the very end of his life. And he was getting ready to hand over the leadership to his son, Solomon. Remember, he said, David, the Lord showed David he was not going to get to build the temple because he was a warrior. But he gave that responsibility to his son, Solomon. But David had made all the preparation for that. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many of us here that we will be giving to build something for generations that we will not see here. We're going to have to be sacrificing of ourselves in order to make provision to reach those young families. Because we've seen a great growth in a year. But I'm telling you, you need to hear me. What God is going to be doing through the life of this church over the next 10 years is will be beyond what you and I can consider right now. I believe that. I believe this facility will be used several times a week in worship. I think it will go to two Sunday mornings. I think it will go to probably a Sunday night. I think it will eventually go to a Saturday night worship. And there will be all these work just to get the folks that are coming in to be a part of what God is doing in this latter day. So we have to be thinking and, and preparing. And David said, I'm putting it all out there because I'm gonna, this temple is for our God. And then he asked his people, who of you will commit to me with me to do that? Vicki and I have been asking the Lord, what, what should we do as a part of being a part of giving toward this new facility? We began to think about that and pray about that. And about know, a week, two, probably two weeks ago, maybe longer, we were having breakfast or dinner. I can't remember which one it was. And Vicki said, well, what do you think the Lord's asking us to do? And I said, well, I have what I have a, a figure I feel like the Lord has said to me. And I said, but first I want to hear what he said to you. Well, it's really cool. It was the exact number that the Lord had given to me. And so we had that confirmation. What I want you to do, what I'm asking you to do is like David. Just ask the Lord, what do you want us to do? Uh, we went through one other campaign when we were at Mount Vernon. We were much younger. We had four children at that time. I think our salary was probably twenty-five to 30000 I don't remember. And the Lord said when we were back there, we want you to give $3,000. And that sounds like nothing. I understand that today. But back then, that was massive. And I thought, that is impossible. We barely make it now, raising four kids and that, that process. But the Lord says, here's what we want you to do. And we just started writing, breaking that down per week and writing that check. We don't write checks so much anymore, but we broke it down. So every week we would give this certain amount above our tithe. And what I will tell you from that experience was like, 
kind of staggering and overwhelming in that once we made that commitment, there was never a sense of weakness or lack in that entire journey. As a matter of fact, there was provision in abundance than we had not ever known before. As a church, it was a young church just getting started. We started at Baptist Hill and spent a few months there. Then it started to get towards summer when we were going to do camps. So we had to get out. So we, the Lord gave us some land, literally. I mean, if you go to Mount Vernon and see Covenant Baptist over there on the right, I think that land was $30,000 or something. Back then it seemed like a large amount, but I'm thinking the Lord just gave us that, whatever that acreage was. And we had volunteer builders come in from Texas and they built that building down there and uh, put it up in a week. I mean, not complete, but it was in, encased in a week. And we watched the Lord do that. A young, working, not much money families. And in three years, they had paid, the, the cost of that building was 400000 In three years, $400,000 had been paid. All of it paid off in three years. It was a, that doesn't sound like, but that's a miracle. If you, if you knew what we were dealing with, that was a miracle. That that building was totally debt free in, in three years. And let me tell you what else. We were so scared. We didn't know what the money would be like for the, running the ministry of the church through tithes. And you know what I found out? Tithe increased during that period of time. All I can tell you is the miracle of God. And as we, and as we seek the Lord in this, that's what I want to ask you to do is just seek the Lord in that. Because it could be, we've already asked the staff families. We've asked the, the deacon families. We're asking the ministry leaders. They're already praying about what they're going to do. And on two weeks from tonight, I'm going to share with you on their behalf how much they have committed to the next three years. So we'll be able to share that with you on that Sunday night and then ask you if you'd be praying about if you would join with us to accomplish this task. The second thing I want you to see in this passage is in verse 14 through 16. Would you go back to that with me? In verse uh, chapter 29, starting in verse 14. <clears throat> But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and you, you your, excuse me, of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims here before you. As we all, our fathers, our day on earth are as a shadow and without hope. And then 16, oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and it's all of your own. Good news is this is it. God owns it all. If you'll understand that, he is the provider for all of us. And if we give according to what he puts within our heart, you will see that the provision will, will be sacrificed but will never be cause you leanness. Because everything that we own belongs to him. And if we hear what he says and we give that amount, it'll stretch you. I promise it'll stretch you. But if you'll hear that and trust God, you'll see, you'll have a testimony that grows from that. R.G. Letourneau, I don't know if many of you have heard of him or not. <clears throat> a businessman, he did earth moving equipment. He had uh, some 300 um, designs created patents that came under his name and he 
began to, he, at the beginning of his business, he and his wife talked about what we want to do is live on 50% of what the Lord provides because we want to be able to give 50% of all provision to, to advance the gospel. By the time he got to the end, he became a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Had plants building large, large earth-moving equipment over four continents. And at the end, he was living on 10% of his income and given 90% of it away to advance the kingdom. One of the largest givers that has ever been known in Christianity because of a man who said, I want to put the Lord first in his life. And then... In but let me tell you what, the 10% he lived on was a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? But that is still quite an interesting thought. How, how econ- with economy can we live in such a way that we can give in a large way? Because when we get to the end of it, it's all going to be about what he did, what we've done for his kingdom. Third, real quick, or fourth. What look God looks for in a generous giver. In chapter 22, I don't have time to go there, but... In verse 5, it says this, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Let me cut to the chase. I'm 60, about to be 2. Things change in your thinking as you begin to get 60 and above. You begin to look at life differently. And I'm not going to try to reminisce up here, but we do begin to start thinking about what is going to be the legacy of my life. What is this going to be all about? Will it be about a car I drive or is it going to be about a house I live in? Or is it going to, is it going to be about what I have invested in my children and in my grandchildren? Is it going to be about what I invested in the house of the Lord, in God's people? What kind of a legacy am I going to leave? And David, at the end of his life, getting ready to hand it over to Solomon, said, I want my life to be about the Lord's kingdom and advancing it. So if you're like me, I'm going to ask you to begin to think about it. We want to, you've worked hard for many, many years for your money. You want to leave leave this earth with your debts paid. You don't want to leave any debts to your kids. You want to be able to, if you're like me, I want to be able to bless my children with finances. And so I want to be able to leave a legacy, but I also want to be able to leave a legacy that pushes forward the advancement of the kingdom. I would love to be able to, when when they put this body, this seed into the ground, that's what what is left after me would be able to advance the kingdom in in the largest way possible. So I want you guys, the, the legacy people of our church, to pray about what can we do? How can we best make this happen? I will tell you this in chapter 29, verse 17 through 20. I'm just, I'm cutting to the chase here. He's pleased with our integrity. When we do what we say we're going to do, God's pleased with it. Look at verse, when you get a chance, look at verse 17. He wants what you give, listen carefully, to be willingly given. Over, Paul talks about it in Corinthians. Don't give out of compulsion because you feel like somebody's twisting your arm. Don't give out of some kind of sense of guilt. Give out of what God has laid upon your heart and what he's put within your possession to be able to give. Because the Lord sees that. And then it said it at the end of it in verse 17 that there was a great joy that happened among the people of God. There's a party broke out 
because they found that the more they gave, the more joy and celebration was a part of that. I wish I could have given you a little bit more in depth of that teaching, but I want to be faithful to your time. Would you just bow your head with me? Take a moment right there. Just praise the Lord. Thank Him for what He's doing, how He's provided for you. Debbie said it, Vicki said it, just give thanks so that you have health to be here. You have provision for the week. Just praise Him. Now thank Him for the leadership that He's given to this church because it's been so evident that God's hand in this transition of Hamlin is way above men's abilities to do. That God is doing something here. And just thank Him that He's making provision and will make provision. And one more time, just say, Lord, please show yourself strong. Whether your giving be a large amount, or if your giving would be something that would not seem large in the eyes of men, to say, Lord, just make your provision be strong. Lord, we want to praise you for the day. We want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for, Lord, that we're going to have to have David and some others come and clean the chains out of this foyer, out of this altar that, were, that had fallen here today. Lord, I want to thank you for blessing your church. Lord, I pray you'd speak specifically, clearly to each person within the life of this church about their, their role, their part within what we're getting ready to do to expand. Bless us, Lord. Let us have a joy and a willingness of our heart to give and be a part of this. I'm so thankful, Lord, for this church family and for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.